children to come up and sit on the first pew, if you would, because I've got something to show you. Sit right over there, please. Please, next to me. Sandy. It's a lot easier for me to get up if I'm sitting right here, too. Pretty special day today, right? Day, right? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I get that mixed up all the time. Okay, I brought a picture. I brought a picture of a mother today that I wanted to show you. If I can make it work, I think I can. Okay. So here's the picture of the mother. What? Oh, that is very bad. That is very bad. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff happens. Well, can I show you, maybe I can get it back again. Can I show you the baby? Okay, can you see this one? Yep, there's another one right next to it. That's the mama. That, that's the baby. So this bird is called a killdeer. You ever heard of one? Yeah. We, we had one of these in our parking lot at work. It was a mama, and she came in, and she sat right down in the parking lot, and she put four eggs there. And then the daddy, he kept flying around all day long. He would say, kill deer, kill deer. That's, what, that's why they call him kill deer. And she sat and covered up those eggs. And you know when it got hot, did she go into the shade? Nope. She stayed right there because she's a good mother. And when it started to rain, did she run on the porch? Because she's a good mother. What the neat thing about these birds is if you get too close, and I got too close one day, what do you think they do? They what? Yeah, they took me out. No, no, they don't attack. They don't run. Look at this picture. Can you? Is this one good or no? Can you see it now? Yeah. It looks, the bird looks funny, doesn't it? You know what it's doing? It's acting like it's hurt. That's exactly right. He lays, she lays her, she lays her, her wing down, and she lays it on the side, and she makes you think that she's hurt so that you'll chase her and leave the baby alone. Because you know what? The killdeer is a good mother. When the Bible talks about God, it says God's a good father, that he loves us. But the Bible also says God's like a good mother. He takes care of us. Jesus said one time, he said, I'd like to take all of you under my wing and just protect you. That's right, just like that. <laughs> you are here because you have good mothers. So go tell them thank you today, okay? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for being a good father to us, a good mother to us for watching over us. Now watch over these little ones, we pray. In your name, amen. Thank you. Had an interesting offering this morning, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I heard about a, a, an evangelist that went to a church to preach revival, and uh, they uh, got ready for the offering, you know, so they just do like they used to do in the old days. They just took a hat and passed it around. 
and it went all around to the church. It came back. There was not much in it at all. And the evangelist turned to the pastor, and he said, that's a pretty lousy offering. And he said, well, in this crowd, I'm just glad to get the hat back. <laughs> so, so I'm pretty sure we're going to get our offering plates back. <laughs> just, they're just MIA today. But, you know, these guys, Richard and Bruce and all of them, they're, they're uh, you know, imaginative. Uh, I, I think they turned all the money in, didn't they? <laughs> Make it happen. So this morning, I want to read with you some scripture. It's in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 9, and it's going to be on the board, I think, or on this wall, and I've got to watch my clock, make sure I don't go over. Uh, the text is in chapter 9 of the book of Acts of the Apostles. Acts is a, the second half of a two-part, uh, you might say two-part volume written by Luke, the good physician. He wrote his gospel, uh, tells the story of Jesus, and then he wrote the book of Acts to tell the story of the church. And so I'm going to read chapter 9, verse 36 to the end of the chapter. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. And she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. And at the time, she became ill, and she died. And when they had washed her and they laid her in a room upstairs, since Lydda was close to Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. And so Peter got up and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. And all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and he prayed. And he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. And when she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and he helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. And this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Luke calls Tabitha a disciple. It's a really interesting word because it's the same word that the Gospels use for the 12 disciples of Jesus, except he calls her a disciple. Her name is Tabitha in Greek, and in Hebrew, it's Dorcas, and it means the same thing. Gazelle. Have you ever seen a gazelle? You've seen pictures probably if you've never seen one. They're just a little small deer-like creature, but they're real fat. Now, when I, if this woman lived up to her name, I think of kind of as a petite lady, maybe small, and but maybe real fat, you know, just moving all the time, always in action. Nothing could stop her except the one thing that stops all of us. Death comes. And the church did what the church does when there's a loss. And it took care of its own. And they prepared her for the funeral. And then someone said, let's call Peter. They, maybe they didn't have a pastor. Maybe there was no one to help. They prepared for a funeral, but God gave them a miracle. And Peter got there. Peter had some experience, you know, with death. He had been with Jesus that day when Jesus was called into that 
the, the leader of the synagogue's house, Jairus, and her little, his little daughter, you remember, had died. And Peter and James and John, I think it was, and Jesus went in. They took everybody else out. And you remember, Jesus just reached down and he said, little girl, get up. And she came alive. And Peter was with Jesus that day when Jesus stood outside that tomb. And poor Lazarus had been in there three days already. And, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the tomb, you remember, he came right out of the tomb. And he said, somebody untie that man. Let him go. And if I'm not mistaken, he said, and give him something to eat. I mean, you're dead for three days. You're going to have an appetite. You know? And Jesus was there when Mary rushed. Peter was there when Mary rushed into the little room and said, I've seen the Lord. So Peter had had experience with death, and he'd had experience with the Lord of life. And when he came that day to the upper room where they put her body, he took everyone outside, and he knelt and he prayed, and he called upon Christ. And he, did, he, he said to her, just like some of you would say to someone, it's time to get up in the morning, wake up, get up. Maybe you say that to your husband after the sermon is over. It's time to wake up, time to go home, you know. You got to get a nap every chance you can, right? I mean, I'm glad you get something out of a sermon. <laughs> She's nudging him. <laughs> but he just says, Tabitha. Then he gives her back to the church. Now, this would be a great Mother's Day sermon text, except there's no mothers mentioned, is there? No children mentioned. You know, did she have children? I don't know. Where were they? Did she have a mother? Where was she? But who is mentioned are the widows. And they are there. And, and they're holding up the clothes that she made. Because this gazelle of a woman wasn't busy going here and there and taking care of herself. She was busy, Luke says, with good deeds and charity, helping others. And they miss her as they hold up the things that she made. Now, this really isn't very much of a Mother's Day sermon, is it? There's no mothers mentioned, no children. And, and, and I'm a lucky guy. I mean, I've got my mother is still living. I'm a grandfather with a mother. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I don't want to tell her that because it will make her feel older, you know. But And I'm married to a woman who's a wonderful mother. I was telling all the things that she did for me, does for me last week. And Marcus, who always is listening, you know, and always has a word, he said, yeah, well, you're not much without her, are you? <laughs> That's about the truth, yeah. So I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. But I do want to say a word about women. And I picked this title out to be just a little bit antagonistic. Linda's not here this morning, so if she saw that title, she'd want she'd ask me, who do you, who are you to say what a woman's place is anyway? So don't tell her about my title, okay? Just that's between all of us. But I it's important to me to ask the question, what is a woman's place? And it's important to me because we have three wonderful daughters that are mature and professional, and they, they figured out where their place is. They know it. But we have five granddaughters, and they're small. And as they grow up and as they become young women, they're going to ask someone that question, 
And it's an important question. And your daughters and your granddaughters are going to ask, what is my place as a woman in this world? Well, if they're going to be like me, I Google everything, right? You know? So if you don't know, just Google it. And they're going to ask the world. They're going to turn to this world, and they're going to ask their friends. They'll ask their teachers. They're going to ask the Internet. They're going to, who is my place in this world as a woman? And one of the answers the world's going to give them is not a very adequate one because they're going to say it's a little lower than a man. Do you know that the average pay for a woman in this country is 78% less than a man? Some of you know that personally because you work for a woman. Now, why is that? Why is that? Is it because women don't work quite as hard, maybe? Yeah, is that it? Maybe not train quite as well, is that it? Katie shakes her head, no. Of course not. Next year, someone's had that answer. Next year will be an important year for women. What happened 100 years ago? I finally got my dates right. I hope I did. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Women have only been voting for 100 years in this country. Now, why couldn't they vote 100 years ago? Were they weren't smart enough then? Is that it? Because men got to decide who got to vote, right? Men weren't smart enough. This, this sermon's going downhill quick. I can tell you. Let's turn this thing around, man. <laughs> I was in Mozambique several years ago. We were building houses. It was in the saddest village I've ever been. 600 children, not one single toy. And we were building houses in this village, and uh, we had to we were had to haul concrete blocks in wheelbarrows and haul them a long way to a, to a work site. And there was only three wheelbarrows, and only two of them worth a flip. And those weren't I wouldn't have had either one of those, but you use what you gave, right? The third one, the wheel, the, there was no bearing, there was no wheel, was just a piece of metal, round metal that it flopped around on. And I had to work it, and I was pushing through sand. These these concrete blocks and just not making any progress at all. And the guy that had a good wheelbarrow had to take a bathroom break loose. And so he laid it down, put it behind a tree where I wouldn't see it, and I grabbed him. This is, this is the Christian group, you know. And I grabbed it. There was a woman behind me who was pregnant. And she had a baby tied on her back like all the women in and when I laid my broken down wheelbarrow full of blocks on that side to leave it for that sucker to go to the bathroom and picked up the good one, she grabbed the broken wheelbarrow. She kicked off her flip-flops, and she was catching me. And I think if I hadn't tripped her, she would have passed me. But you think women don't work hard? You think women can't do everything that men do? And, and more, right? So when my granddaughters turn to the look for answer that question, answer that question, what is a woman's place? I want them to look somewhere besides this world. This world that's filled with Harvey Weinsteins, whom 80 women charge. This world is filled with Bill Cosby's, whom 60 women charge. I want my granddaughters to look somewhere else 
for answers, and you want your children to look somewhere else. I hope they ask the church. And I hope they ask a church like this church. I really do. Um, not every church can answer my granddaughters the way I would want them to. I, I saw something back in the children's department. I don't know which one of you all did it or who did it, but I was back there going over my sermon just trying to figure out what I was going to say, you know. And uh, there was a sign on the wall, and I love it. It said, girl power. You know, have you seen that one? Yeah, girl power. I like that. I like that. Because I want someone to tell my granddaughters, you have a place in this world, and it's an important place, and you're not a step behind a man. And you're not in a place of victim, as a victim before a man. You're a person whom God has given life to and gifts and, and, and power, girl power. But the church doesn't always give answers like that. Not every church does. I, some of you know I was a pastor for uh, a number of years. And one day a couple came to see me. He never came to church ever. She always came. She was faithful. She worked. She studied. She sat right there in that seat. And she listened to every sermon, and she came to Sunday school, but she called and said, can we come and see you? And I said, well, come and see me. There were problems. And he walked in, this monster of a man. And I thought, something's funny here, because he had her Bible in his hand. And they sat down, and he pushed it toward me. And I took it, and he said, show her. He said, show her. Show her where, where it says that I'm in charge. Show her that. And I'd like to tell you that I threw him out. He was a little bigger than I am. And I hate to brawl in the church, you know. I don't remember what I said, but I know it wasn't adequate. But I remember, I remember watching her. He couldn't find John 3.16 if his life depended on it. But he knew that somewhere in there, there's something that says that I'm in charge. And there's something in her that says, it's not me, it's him. Reading the Bible is easy. It's easy. That's easy. To walk in the park. To, to understand it. To understand it. To read it the right way. And if you're going to read it, read all of it. Read it. Read it from, as they used to say, the old guys used to say, from kibber to kibber, right? From Genesis to maps. Read it all. And read about Deborah, that woman who judged Israel because no man would do it. And if you're going to read it, read about Philip's two daughters who were prophetesses or preachers or evangelists or whatever you want to call it. Read about it. And read about Galatians 3.28 when Paul reached the heights of his own theology. And he said, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile. It's gospel, isn't it? And you tell your daughters that. And I hope somebody tells my daughters that and my granddaughters that when they sit in a class. A little, little community that I served in for a while I was in seminary was called Chaplin. And I was the pastor of the Baptist church. And there was a Methodist there, Linda, a Methodist pastor in that town. 
he was kind of, he was okay, you know. I mean, Methodists are good people, don't get me wrong, but he was just a pest. And he would tease me and aggravate me and give me a hard time all the time. One Sunday after church, we were at the restaurant, and my children were there, and my wife was there, and we were eating our lunch. And I could see him in the corner, and I said, I know this is going to be trouble. I know he's going to aggravate me or do something. He always did, just poke. You know, people poke. So he came up, the meal's about over, and he looked at the children, and he said, so tell me, who's the boss in your house? I think, oh, this is not going to go good. You know, if he says, if he says me, if the children say me, I'm going to be in big trouble when I get home because my wife's going to be sure I've been bragging. And if he, if he says, if the children say she, their mother, then I know I'm never going to get the end of it from him. And you know what the children said? The oldest, he looked up and said, Jesus is the boss of our family. <laughs> I bought everybody ice cream, you know. This is around for the whole house. Yeah, sometimes it works out. So as my granddaughters began to work through this, their place, I hope they'll ask a church like this. But most of all, I hope they ask Jesus. And I hope they read the things he wrote. We, 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 we can't imagine how radical he was in the world that he stepped into. You know, in the temple, when women went to the temple in the first century, they didn't get to come inside. They had to stay out in the outer court. There was no, no woman allowed in here. No, 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 out there. And when they went to the synagogue, the women were over here and the men were over here, and, and women were never allowed to read the Scripture. That's why I love to hear Katie and someone come up and read the Scripture. But in the synagogue, no woman. One of the rabbis is quoted as saying, I would rather see the Torah burned than to be put in the hands of a woman. Now, that's the first century. And a Jew, Jewish man would pray this prayer. He'd say, I thank you, God, that I was not born a Gentile, that I was not born a slave, and that I was not born. Jesus breaks into the scene and says the kingdom of God is here and it's now. And he becomes radical because he talks to women. The Pharisees wouldn't even look at a woman. They were, they were afraid they would see something they shouldn't see. You know, they just walked around like this. They bumped into a lot of stuff, but they walked around. Jesus spoke to women. He spoke to the woman that comes up and touches him. You remember, she'd been bleeding for 12 years, which made her ceremonial unclean. She couldn't worship in the temple or any place. And she touched him. And yet he and he said, Who touched me? And she says, It was me. And I shouldn't have, I'm sorry, but your faith has healed you. And then he calls her something that nobody ever called a woman. Daughter of Abraham. Not your husband's wife, not your brother's sister, but you are a daughter of Abraham. You not in a relation to somebody else, but you, you alone. Jesus talked to it. Remember the woman at the well, and she's surprised even that he speaks to her. She says, you talk to me, and I'm a, a Samaritan, and I'm a woman. Not only does he talk to women, he respects them and has compassion. Not patronizing, patronizing them, but respects them and has compassion. The woman caught in adultery. You remember that story? I think it's John chapter 4. They bring her in to him. The man's out of town. He's gone. He's already scot free. You know, he slipped out. But they caught her and they brought her to Jesus. And the scripture says that Jesus never even 
lifts his head up. He doesn't look up. Why doesn't he look up? Every picture I've ever seen of an artist's rendition of that, she's clutching the clothes around her. I mean, it was one of those uh, photograph moments everybody's eyes are on her, not his. Out of respect for her. And when he, the accuser are all gone, he says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more, but neither do I condemn you. Jesus spoke to women. He had compassion and respect for women. And he called women to follow him. You remember Martha and Mary, one last scene. Jesus has gone to visit them. And what's Martha doing? Oh, what's Martha doing? Come on. She's washing the dishes. She's making ham sandwiches, getting potato salad all mixed up, you know. Well, get some tea out. Get some sweet tea too, honey, would you? She's in the kitchen. And Mary, Mary is interested in what Jesus is saying. So she's right here with the men. She's sitting there like a disciple. What's she doing? And Martha just complains. She said, why am I doing all the work? And she's out here, you know, come on, Jesus, give me a break here. You know what Jesus says? He's chosen the right, the best for you. He's chosen the best for you. I had a chance. Well, I'm going to say this later. When my granddaughters ask the question, what is a woman's place? And everybody has to work that out for themselves. No preacher can tell it. I hope they'll ask Jesus because here's what he's going to say to them. He's going to say, your place is to follow me the same place as every man, every boy, and every other human being. Your place is to follow me, not because, like in some eastern countries, walk ten feet behind because, you know, I'm inferior, but because you don't know where to go unless you're following someone that knows where to go. I hope they ask Jesus. This church is filled with gazelles. Did you know that? <laughs> there are Tabithas everywhere. Thank God for Tabitha, right? Thank God for the gazelles in this church. And I know we feel like we're missing a lot because we can't get Hoovenal on Greyhound down south, you know. But until that happens, and even after that happens, we're in good hands. We've got some great men around here, Richard, even if they can't find the offering plate, you know, we got great men. But we also have lots of gazelles. They can do a lot more than just sow the clothes. Amen. This morning, our hymn of invitation is going to be on the bulletin. I can't read the number because I don't have my glasses on. 283, but I'm going to stand here, and it's going to be on the screen, so you can just watch the, and I want to stand here. Not at, I'm not your pastor, but I will receive anyone that comes and you need someone to pray with you on here. So let's stand together and sing.